Welcome to the Bloom Podcast, where we feature regenerative culture leaders from around the world. I'm your host, Magenta, and today we are here with Anika Barber, who is the founder, director, and curator of Betty Ono Gallery in Oakland, California. It is an absolutely amazing gallery and community space, and you should go if you are in the Bay Area. This podcast is a production of Bloom Network. We are an international social network that connects and supports regenerative culture makers. We produce events and media in local action networks all over the world, and we connect online to collaborate and help each other quickly adapt to today's challenges. Now on to this lovely conversation with Anika. We're here with Anika Barber from Betty Ono Gallery in Oakland, California. Uh, The first thing I'd love to ask you is for our international audience, would you please describe Betty Ono Gallery, like your focus as a gallery, and also where the name comes from? Sure. Um, My name is Anika Barber. I'm an artist, an activist, and a social entrepreneur. I was born and raised here in Oakland and spent a significant amount of my childhood and upbringing immersed in arts and culture experiences, whether that was oratorical fest uh, during Black History Month or through the faiths community being a part of the theater group or choir. So it's been a huge part of my life um, growing up. And uh, Betty Ono is a creative space in the heart of uh, Oakland that amplifies the lives and voices of artists and people of color. We practice radical inclusivity and celebrate the culture of everyday people. And um, we bring artists in from all over the country and also internationally to showcase their work at our downtown Oakland art space. We're a cultural hub, an arts venue, a community anchor. And so our work is heavily influenced by Oakland culture of activism, social justice, racial justice. And primarily, really, my mission is, is really building power and building power through art and understanding that culture is power. And uh, that's what we focus on at Betty Ono. Um, As far as the name, Betty Ono was conceived in response to me receiving a cease and desist letter from a very, 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 very large international conglomerate that had found out we started a nightly, Monday nightly arts experience called Smashbox Live. And at the time, I was calling Betty Ono, the first name was called Smashbox Contemporary Arts, and it really was um, in name about challenging the status quo, being unapologetic, you know, dismantling these different kinds of systems that keep artists and creators of color outside of a particular arts experience or sphere. And that was the intention behind the name. But when I found out that the that word was trademarked by this large cosmetics company, um, I needed to come up with a new name that I knew we wouldn't have to battle any kind of large entity about, but that also really reflected the spirit in which I wanted to do this work as a Black woman, as a Black woman artist, as a Black woman curator and cultural worker that had often... Um, found um, a lack of opportunity myself. And so when I started to think about what could represent that spirit, I started to look at artists and um, people that really inspired me that changed 
how I saw my world and my role as an artist and um, really encouraged a very bold, proactive stance and pushed a set of values out that I think really transformed the world. And those two women were Betty Mabry Davis, who is a singer, songwriter. Um, she was a wife to Miles Davis for about a year and introduced him to the likes of Sly and the Family Stone, Jimi Hendrix, the music of the Commodores, and helped to usher this new identity, this new way of life, this new way of creative, creating into his life. And because of her, he was able to find himself again. And that kind of catapulted his career again in the late 60s and early 70s into the whole jazz fusion world. And she was just an incredible, is, she's still alive, an incredible force. Um, and the other person was Yoko Ono, who also is still alive. And both, uh, and Yoko Ono was married to John Lennon. There was a lot of drama and a lot of stories around, a narrative around her relationship to the Beatles and quote unquote breaking them up. And I think that um, I really wanted to honor the work that these women had done on an individual autonomous level to advance pop culture. And at the time, I'm sure they weren't necessarily thinking about that. I think what they might have been thinking about was what do, how do I use my voice in a way that's most authentic for me and live my life fully and freely in that space. Um, and so that is why I chose to name Betty Ono, Betty Ono, because I, I saw the opportunity to personify the spirit and values of, of those kinds of attitudes in this work, especially given that we were challenging a lot of systems. I have goosebumps. Thank you so much for sharing that and for making such an incredible art gallery. Thank you. Thank you so much. What are um, a couple of recent exhibitions you've had um, and, and how does that relate to the, the community aspect of, of how you run Betty Ono? Well, it's really important to me that the work that is generated and the relationships that are generated through this space are just that. They're generative, empowering. They are reflective of the real life experiences of everyday people. And with that being a basis, especially around our, our core values around transformation, future world building and taking action, the shows that I curate and the artists that I have identified as um, ready for this platform have a have always had a very clear and strong voice and a strong alignment with the values of the space and are, are also generally seeking to empower, um, hold up, lift up, celebrate and honor um, our lives in each other. And, and, and I work with all kinds of artists, but I have definitely intentionally focused on um, artists and people of color, as well as other groups that are often so pushed to the edges that anything that they try to do is is not centered. And so that includes my LGBTQIA community, this um, uh, other body communities. Um, we work with 
artists that are emerging, established, you know, just try to create a, a really inclusive space and doing that through the shows that we present. So the show that we're just closing now is called Black Joy and Resistance. And it is uh, by a, a, an amazing photographer who was born and raised in Oakland, but has been by coastal Brooklyn in, in the Bay Area for over 25 years. And it's really been a story of resilience through the photography, um, traveling all over the world. She captured uh, the safe spaces that Black folks have found themselves in through their in their traditions. And through the exhibition, we're kind of giving life to that, reflecting that. Um, and, and it's a way that it gives us clarity about the power we hold and how we can use that power to bring about the world we want to create. Yes, please. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. um, before we get too much farther, just uh, sometimes people listen to a, a short bit of an interview. So I just wanted to make sure to mention um, you're doing a fundraiser right now. Could you describe what that is and how people can contribute to it? Yes, yes, yes. Our fundraiser is going on right now, Betty Ono for the Culture, and that's our hashtag, B-E-T-T-I-O-N-O -O for the Culture. Folks can find out and read more about it on our website at BettyOno.com. We're raising $35,000 to support this next phase in our journey and our next season of programs after winning a very long battle for a lease in Oakland. It took us about eight years to get a lease, and we finally we finally did it in March. And so we have another five years plus two more potential years in this location. And uh, the Betty Ono for the Culture campaign is about helping us take that next step forward because we got some incredible programs. We have five artists in residence that we'll be collaborating with this year. We, uh, under the umbrella of a project that looks at the legacy of artists, black artists and creatives like James Baldwin and gives us an opportunity to respond to their legacies. And that project is called The Fire Next Time, A Call and Response. So this 35K is gonna support our core operations the five artists in residence, our next exhibition, as well as our public programs. And it's going to fund two black um, admin arts administrators and creatives uh, as part of our fellowship program. So we have a fellowship program that's centered on creating opportunities for um, artists of color and people of color in, in the arts field. It's such incredible work you're doing. If if folks in Oakland and the Bay Area and, you know, if you're visiting there for the first time, highly recommend this gallery. It's super phenomenal. One of my favorite places of culture in the East Bay. Um, yeah. Uh, what was the URL again if people want to make a donation to that? Uh, they can go to bettyono.com slash donate. B-E-D-D-I-O-N-O dot com slash donate. Yay! <laughs> and all the information is there. Um, again, the project, the umbrella project is that we, we're launching this, this multi-year initiative. So we'll be committing the space, our resources, our time, and our attention to this conversation about what is happening in Oakland, how are Black artists and creatives reacting to, responding to, and building power around the issues that are most impacting our lives and what's the relationship between 
Oakland and other places around the globe, given its history of activism and culture making and world building. And so over the next three to four, maybe even five years, we're going to dig into this through a series of residencies, um, both with local artists, but also artists coming from other places. So look out also, because we'll have a call for um, art and activations um, coming out in the next couple of weeks so that we can pull from our public to see where they find resonance with this theme and if they want to join in. So Betty Ono is one of the best examples I've seen of a gallery that is truly a community space, like you just described, that like extends into the fabric of public life and influencing it and responding to it and caring for it together at a depth that is infinitely inspiring. I'm wondering if you have advice for gallery founders and curators who would like to create that in their towns or go deeper into something like that. Yeah, I mean, speaking as um, an Oakland native, I, I'm fourth, fifth generation now, and having lived here in this community, been born and raised, um, and then moved away and stayed in another community that's still like a second home to me, but not my, not my uh, you know, place of birth, I found that there was a need and opportunity for me to come back home and work on the, the things that were impacting the lives of the people I know and grew up with from family to colleagues. And um, uh, what motivated me and, and why I feel like we have come so far is because it was about meeting a need. At the time when Betty Ono was forming, I'd started the live art night and it became abundantly clear that just by the nature of, of creating a platform or space for black and brown artists and a multicultural kind of collective of people who would not normally have an opportunity to um, activate their cultural power in this way, they just showed up out of the woodwork. I mean, I mean, of course, right? Because mm -hmm. discipline is just a bedrock for artists and creativity, and it has been. But there was a real need to have a place, network. And there were other cultural places, and they have been. But at the time, I feel like it just really fit a need because all of, um, a lot of the sort of longstanding cultural spaces had been gradually going away, shifting, you know, the cost of living, the threat of, you know, displacement, gentrification, all of these things have been impacting Oakland for over 25 years. And I saw the toll that that was uh, having on our creative part. And I wanted to create a space that could keep that art and that heart and soul alive while also asserting our right to be in our hometown. Mm -hmm. So when I think about what others might be doing, I think it has to come from a real authentic place and it has to come from a place of networking, connecting and understanding what those around you are looking to do and finding that common ground and finding those opportunities to collaborate because if it wasn't for that, Betty Ono would not exist. It certainly has been the artists, the cultural workers, the nonprofit partners, city folks, have really, really linked arms with us over the last 10 years, and that's how we've been able to accomplish so much. Mm -hmm. What are some of the community groups or organizations that you collaborate with and host at the gallery? 
Oh my goodness. Um, everywhere from your grassroots community group that wants to host a convening around um, uh, anti-immigration movement and or working with Cultural Strike and Mujeres Unidas, they're activists on a project called Visions from the Future where um, we hosted uh, art making and workshop night where artists were creating in illustrations of the stories that migrants who were detained in these horrible facilities were sharing uh, with each other, with their families. There were stories of love, of hope, of pain. That's an example of some of the things that we've done. Also, like a lot of our local school groups, Oakland School for the Arts, we've partnered with. Um, my God, I could just run Eastside Arts Alliance, <laughs> the Flight Deck. I mean, there's just a ton of folks. And I think one of the most dynamic collaborations we've had over the past few years has been um, my co-founding the Oakland Creative Neighborhoods Coalition, which has been made up of many of the folks I just named, but also a whole ton of others who recognize that Oakland's culture is under threat and have banded together to ensure that our city, local government, our tax dollars, and the public benefits that the city is supposed to provide does come to the culture, ethnic groups, and cultural community that would otherwise not have access to those resources. So we fought really hard and launched a campaign uh, from 2015 to 2018, a three-year initiative, so that we could accomplish a few things. And here's what we got done. We, we advocated, rallied for uh, social equity to be included in the city's downtown planning process. And that led to several members of our coalition actually being brought on as consultants. We um, fought for and won uh, the city budget to have a cultural affairs manager so that there was leadership within the city's arts department um, to connect with our cultural communities across the city. We um, advocated in the budget and policy process so that we could develop new legislation with the city about how to spend its cultural resources to be more um, inclusive and responsive. And that's just a few things that we've, we've been able to do as an example of some of our um, community work and advocacy work. It's so incredible. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. And I hope that it keeps going well and it against the the kind of continuing onslaught of the gender you know dis displacement that's happening um and maybe you already answered this question in that in which case we can just move on but I'm, I'm curious what are the some of the successful processes that you're seeing in terms of housing and cultural equity amidst the wave of displacement and colonization with the large tech companies moving to San Francisco and the East Bay. Do you have any advice for people in the other cities who are facing similar struggles with that? Like do the arts and art spaces itself help with that? And are you finding that um, you're needing to link arms with the people who are focused specifically on housing equity as well. Absolutely, um, you know, I, I, we've said this ongoing, like artists are people, they're everyday people that live in your neighbors, they're your next door neighbors. They probably have 
10 different gigs to make it happen or like, you know, they're probably taking on way more than they should to even be able to practice, to be seen or to participate and contribute to public life. And housing is a human right. Culture is a human right. And so I think that actually is one of the biggest wins that we've had over the last few years as Betty Ono being a leader in this in this environment, which is that we've got culture on the table around these kinds of fights with the housing rights advocates, the workforce development advocates, the anti-immigration advocate, you know, not anti-immigration, but the folks working on those issues. And that was huge because it's taken a lot, I think, for, it takes a lot for public consciousness to understand the role that artists and creatives uh, can make and the, the arms that we can link. And for the first time, that I've known in like local advocacy fights, that was the first time that art and culture was even at the table with those really powerful groups. Um, I know that we have to continue that work. And one of the ways that it's continuing now is that an initiative that we um, rally for is a part of the city process, which is artists being embedded in the planning department, the transportation department um, and other departments that are driving the future development of the city so we're now able to influence at least begin to do some of that internal inside game influence while we all are also working really hard to continue our commitment to our people on the outside and to continue to elevate now if I wish I could say that we had a core housing win but what it's looking like is that other members of our coalition have gone on to develop uh, community development corporations like the one that, sorry, it's loud out there, but like the one that Betty Ono is a part of called the Black Arts Movement um, and Business District. It's the, it's the first official cultural district designation in the city that um, is supposed to offer Black uh, creative businesses and entities that sustainable a, a pathway to sustainability through whether it's their commercial space or through what the district can provide that's in development housing is a big part of that because in this district there's a lot of new development projects going up that are geared toward high net worth individuals and what those coalition members have been able to do is negotiate with the developers to get community benefits um, have we seen yet that it trickles to artist housing? Not yet, but I do believe that there are a lot of other groups organizing themselves around an inclusive view of who should be in their uh, communities, you know, for housing rights fight. And so that is a win. Thank you for sharing all of those insights. Um, Skipping topics uh, a little bit, um, a lot of Bloom Network participants lean into utopic sci-fi futurist visionary narratives. And I'm curious if there are any Afrofuturist artists that you particularly recommend people check out. Oh. <laughs> Bring them all. So many, like there are so many here. Um, all right off top, I gotta holler at and lift up my sister Karen Seneferu. Incredible, powerful creator, 
visionary. She's the uh, founder of the Black Woman is God, which is a cultural movement that centers Black women as beings to be honored and lift up. And so that's happened through a series of exhibitions and public programs that's just taken over the whole Bay, been written about nationally and internationally. She's a whole movement and her creative practice is multi-sensory, multi-media. She uses a lot of traditional African folkloric kind of sculptures as a jump off point, but then adds in these like incredible technological, you know, systems of process to these sculptures that she's making. She calls them techno kisis, um, which uh, if folks want to look up what a what an Nkisi doll is um, from West Africa, just look up Karen Sinefru. Another artist um, that we've worked with multiple times is Paul Lewin. He is like really becoming the go-to visual artist, painter that can craft these incredibly stunning, layered, complex visual narratives of this like Afrofuturist perspective. Um, he brings his history of being Jamaican, American, and this Afro-Caribbean influence into these paintings that almost feel future, futuristic, and they give the viewers an opportunity to imagine who are these people? What, do they, what is the magic that they hold? What do they want to tell us? Um, he's incredible. He's, uh, his work has graced the cover of a newly um, republished book from Octavia Butler, who's one of our Afrofuturist heroes. I mean, I'm just gonna say those two for now, just because if I keep trying to call up everybody, I'm gonna miss people. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, there's an incredible, incredible, incredible um, community of, of Afrofuturists here in the Bay Area. So shout out to all of y'all. Let's see, I think we maybe have time for one more question here. Is there um, a, uh, a question or something that's coming forth for you that you feel like articulating in the moment? Um, coming forth for me in relationship to um, where we are now is that, um, yeah, that, you know, a lot of, of us have come from histories and um, relationships where we are interdependent and we have these very tight social club kind of circles where we rely on each other. Um, that has been like a fundamental structure or framework for what we all know now as a sharing economy, whether that's Lyft, you know, picking up the car to go to the grocery store or whatever ways that, that that has taken shape now, black people where I'm from have been doing things like that forever. Um, and it's a part of our cultural traditions, it's a part of our DNA. And where I am, where we are with Betty Ono, as we look to the future and uh, to this decade, we are really looking at what does it look like for this space to take on a, a more collective form, a more collective model of not only ownership, but accountability and um, participation towards designing the future that we want to see. And so the Fire Next Time, a call and response is a container for us to do that work 
through the curation and exhibitions, but also through a series of cultural think tanks that we're going to hold to glean insights, knowledge, and wisdom from our community to ask questions like, what do we want to offer? What do you want us to offer? What? How can we be more responsive to um, the needs of our community? What does that look like? What shape should it take? Um, and I, as, as the founder, founding director, I'm really looking forward to uh, handing the baton off to support building a next generation of leadership here. And that's my mission. And that's why we're raising this money. That's why we're going to continue to apply for grants and, you know, keep building on the great work. But now it's time to look, look to the next. That's, that's what's on my heart and mind right now. Thank you so much for sharing that and for creating this gallery and all of the beautiful community strength that is being supported through through having the space together and all the coalitions that you're weaving with. Um, lots of respects to you and really grateful for you sharing some tips along the way for other gallery owners and movements and people who are fighting for housing equity and just the, the insights you shared about um, cultural power and working with the institutions on city development and that sort of thing is super, super inspiring. So thank you so much for your brilliant articulation of uh, what's possible. Thank you. Ooh, I love how you put that. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity and we welcome we welcome folks to join in with us, whether that's through donating or volunteering or just coming out to um, what we have coming up next. So I just really appreciate you for the opportunity and for your response, you know, to the call. We issued a call and you responded much. <laughs> Um, yeah, so definitely, again, uh, plugging that fundraiser on BettyOno.com. That's the URL, right? BettyOno.com, yep. And BettyOno.com slash donate uh, will take you directly to the page. And they have a really fun Instagram that you can also follow. Yeah, yeah, that's right. At BettyOno on Instagram and Facebook. Sweet. So once again, thank you and have a beautiful rest of your day. I hope I get to cross paths with you again online and in person. <laughs> That sounds great. Thank you so much.